Welcome to the Embrace Your Life podcast, the place to be to live authentically and simply embracing your life with your host, Kayla LQ. Born and raised in Edmonton, our guest is first and foremost a loving partner and the mother of two grown children. She was also a founder of the National School Program Writers and Electronic Residents, is the founder of the SHU Project for Immigrant and Refugee Women in Canada, and is an award-winning writer. She has published 11 novels, three short story collections, and two anthologies of travel writing. She has won many awards and is a distinguished alumna of the University of Alberta, as well as a famous 50 alumni from York University. Her book has been published around the globe, and she also taught and acted as a writer-in-residence for a variety of university, library, and other centers. Help me welcome our guest, Catherine Gauvier. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you very much. I'm very pleased to be here, Kayla. Yeah, the pleasure's all mine. So, Catherine, can you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what do you do exactly? <laughs> well, you've just given us a long list of things I've done, and it, it's true. Um, my career is, is, is stretching behind me now, but I, I hope it's going to stretch forward, too. Um, I was born in Edmonton. My uh, father... It was an engineer and later a bureaucrat. So we lived around the university where he taught. And my mother um, also wanted to be a teacher, but stayed home with the children for many years. I'm in the middle of, middle button, they called me, three <laughs> sisters, uh, one older, one younger. Uh, when I was in high school, just when I began high school, we the family moved from Edmonton to Calgary. And then when I went to university, I went back to Edmonton. I was determined to live in residence and have an independent student life. Um, it was there that it, at the University of Alberta uh, it, that I began to realize how much I loved novels mm-hmm. and not just reading them, although reading them was always a big thing in our family, but writing them. So mm-hmm. I trotted off to to Toronto because that's what people did in those days if they wanted to have a career in writing. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of been here ever since. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I do go back to Alberta you know, maybe three months of the year, we, we have a family place there in the mountains. Mm. And for a long time, while my parents were still alive, I, I, I used that place in order to visit and spend time with them. So I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a person of, of really two provinces. Um, <laughs> I love the mountains. Uh, and uh, I also love the big city here. That's a start on who I am. <laughs> That's wonderful. And I really find that inspiring that you chose writing as a career path, as also, as you said, is one thing to read the novels, is one thing to write the novel. So I'm kind of curious a little bit more about where do you find your inspiration to write and what do you write more about? Well, it has changed over the years. I published my first novel in 1979 
So what are we talking about? 40 some years. And as a beginning writer, uh, you know, people tend to write about their their family, their home, their their sort of coming out of their childhood. And that's that's what I did in my first novel, Random Descent. And I wrote books that were uh, more autobiographical, never clearly autobiographical, but that certainly had something to do with what was close to me for, you know, a number of years. But then about halfway, I guess about halfway through the career that's behind me, I started doing more research to more historical uh, Mm -hmm. novels. And I write a lot about artists. Um, I'm interested in, in, in art, visual art, and the lives of artists have 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 kind of fascinated me. I I suppose they are parallel to the lives of writers, um, but different enough. And uh, I have really enjoyed doing historical research as well. So I've written about um, John James Audubon, the bird artist. He kind of got me interested in that that time of the great printmakers so that took me to Japan and I've written several novels now that are based in Japan Japan including a new one that has yet to be published um, I love Japan I love the culture I've found very very interesting stories there of particularly of a lost woman artist who I've, I've written about before and she's also she appears in my upcoming novel but as a ghost she's she's died already (laughs) we we don't know where or when but um now i think i will return to my own generation my own life the escapades and you know there's a full circle stories of of my friends because we are reaching an age and i think we've we you know there's a certain time in the in the life of this country that is kind of defined by the baby boomers mm-hmm. so that's where i'll be writing in the future that's wonderful and and maybe more on that as you define yourself as a baby boomer and how do you feel about it and again society has a lot of labels and and their expectation of where they should be and what they should do or how they should manage their life. But how do you feel at your age and giving that you're a writer and almost like, I, did I hear that correctly? You're writing a next book, another book. Yeah. yeah that's pretty yeah. fantastic. So how do you feel? How do you make the, the magic spark all the time when you are writing and continuing to do all this stuff and also being involved in, you know, the, the founder of the shoe uh, project that we can talk more about later and other uh, involvement that you have with the community? Well, I, I feel uh, full of life. I, I, I am 73. It astonishes me even to say that, but I am. Um, but, you know, I play tennis four times a week and I hike and I have little grandchildren who, with whom I play basketball. They absolutely beat me up. Um, <laughs> so I feel I've got lots of time left and lots of things to say. Now, I suppose the past two years of the pandemic has taught us, and especially baby boomers, more than anything, that 
life is unpredictable. Life can be short. We can't mm -hmm. always act on our plans. We can't carry things through necessarily. And it has made me more reflective of what have we done as a generation? What? Yes, I am a baby boomer. I know that's like not terribly popular these days. Sometimes I think people would really like us to kind of just slide away off the stage and be gone and leave room for the for the youth. Um, I'm not ready for that. I I think we've it's an amazing generation of people and I think we've been very, very fortunate in our timing. You know, just as I started university, the women's movement began and we were all kind of just a different generation than even people three years ahead of us who were who were, you know, expected to get married and have if they had careers, it was teaching or being a physiotherapist or something like that. But the world opened up for us. Uh, Canadian nationalism meant that the cultural scene opened up for us. Uh, we had some fabulous decades of, of growth and bloom. And uh, it, it's, you know, we, we've escaped so many things, our generation. Mm -hmm. And I think we've contributed a, a great deal. Uh, it's different now. I think we have to re-examine a lot of the kind of tenets that were in place. I think we were not aware enough of indigenous issues. For instance, we were we had um, you know more of a self reflective view of what Canada was. We were all about building ourselves. Mm. And that's one reason why I do love the shoe project because it, it makes me part of the world. I, I feel I get to go through current events, past events, recent history, and hear about them through the lives of women who have possibly had to flee or at least chosen to leave another country to come here. It's tremendous yeah. learning experience. Yeah. So can you elaborate more on that? What's the SHOE project all about? The SHOE project is, is, is now a charity. It, it's, uh, we have a program that we offer to immigrant and refugee women who have come to Canada as adults. And that program consists of writing workshops in, in small group settings with a kind of global population, women from Syria, from China, from Russia, from Bolivia. Um, so in those sessions, they work with a, a, a senior writer, a, a writer in this country who's achieved quite a bit and, and has a great deal of experience. They write, they each write the story of their, their journey to Canada, whatever, they want to share and they tell it through the lens of a pair of shoes. Mm. Then once the story is written, they get coaching from uh, drama directors and voice coaches and then we put on a show. <laughs> so these women get up and perform in front of the public and tell their stories uh, and inform the rest of us you know, who they are, what gifts they bring to us as a country, what struggles they have. Um, it's, it's, 
it's kind of a circle, you know, it's a, it's a circle where they give to one another and give to us. Mm, yeah, I'd like to take a moment here to comment on this, actually, because I think it's fantastic. I think the work that you've created and set for a future generation, um, you know, whether you're involved or you're moving to other projects, I think this initiative, this charity has great value. And I previously worked for a multicultural association and worked firsthand with immigrants and refugees. And in my experience, All that these people want to do is contribute to the well-being of our country. You know, I've heard many times the labels like they're coming here to steal our job. Well, that's not true because if they were, uh, you know, in this sense, they're contributing to actually keeping our jobs here and enhancing our culture and inclusivity and diversity. And I know that many of the these women and men as well and children, but mainly women, they come here. And they need to find their place. They need to recreate an identity um, for who they are. And, and speaking a second language as well is very challenging for, for many of them coming from um, different countries all over the world. So I find it very beautiful that the initiative is all about helping women to speak up their truth, their, their story, their message, and inspiring others to by creating awareness through this story, you know, telling through the experience of a shoe, um, what's it like? What's it like really? And and ripping the labels um, and helping people to empathize more with their stories and their message. So I got chills now. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so I'm much. So no, I, you get it. And, and uh, you have a little bit of experience and it can, it, it you know that these, these, People bring amazing skills, training, experience, culture, warmth, um, motivation. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. uh, and women, you know, we only work with women and we're often asked that. But women's experience of immigration can be very, uh, very, very difficult. Uh, often in the sense that they have children they're trying to raise a family at the same time sometimes they get sort of pushed out of the mainstream and they have to stay home or their you know their culture has made them less joining so they come to canada and all of it seems out there and far away to them so this is a, a way of of helping i i hate to use the word helping because i really feel like they help me mm. <laughs> as much as I help them. But, you know, meeting together, joining mm. with these people, these women, mm -hmm. to share what they have and what we have that can make them be really uh, heard, mm -hmm. be really heard and lead in this country. There are many, many uh, potential leaders. I've met so many great women. And, and actually, we're at the stage now after 10 years that – we can show we're, we're, we're starting to do um, a kind of survey to show what the shoe project has helped them with. Where, where are they now 10 years later? You know, they started their own company or they've got back to a teaching job, which they never thought they'd be able to do, or they're taking up uh, holistic medicine because their credentials from Turkey haven't, can't be released so they've they've found a new direction it's it's astonishing mm, 
It's pretty inspiring. I love it. And I'm looking forward to hear all of the, the follow-up stories of these wonderful, empowered women that went through the shoe project and as well how their life been transformed in a much positive way from your initiative. Well, you have to come, come to our website. It's the, the shoe project dot online um, come hear the stories we've got performances coming up uh, one in Vancouver one in Calgary one in Toronto I think one in Windsor Ontario so the next six months there'll be chances to go and see the women live telling their stories it's so moving mm, love it thank you so much for sharing that Catherine I'd like to expand more on your writing because first you're you know you mentioned you're a writer and you fell in love with the writing and I want to bring shed light on your books and what are they more specifically because you said most people write about their journeys and their experience and now you're bringing it a full circle to writing again and diving into maybe what's like you said there's so much more left for you to share and say um, but what are you currently working on and what has been your inspiration to write about that well that's an, a very interesting question as i as i said i have finished a novel which is in the process now and one hopes it will be published in this year but possibly early next year i'm i'm talking about early 2023 um so it's time to start another. I have some plans. I have some um, beginnings of writing a memoir. Mm. And then I have another idea of writing f fiction that does tell the stories of a lot of people in my generation and sort of like a group of students. One of my early books was called Fables of Brunswick Avenue, which is short stories about young people who had come to the city and were trying to make it in the arts in Toronto. Um, and I've thought of going back to that group of people to see where they have come. This is what I'm, what I'm talking about, about our generation and, you know, mm our mistakes and also our, our our successes and so on so that's a, that's another idea mm, I love that and in terms of writing what's it like to be a writer like what's your day-to-day -day, how do you keep you know the motivation to write because sometimes you get writer's block and perhaps you like feel uninspired you know um, so how do you stay motivated and how do you stay so active in writing it's just my job, you know, Kayla. It's just what I do. Uh, when I was a kid, I was a dancer. I, I, I And up until my 20s, I, I really was seriously considering ballet and other types of modern dance. And I know that as a dancer, you just have to do your practice. You just get up and you do your dance and your body comes to need it. And this is really the way writing has been for me it's it's i come to my computer in the morning this is where i work I, I i might have my diaries nearby i might i might be you know fixing some article that i've written for something i might be working on on the stories written by shoe project members but i'm always here it's what i do i mm -hmm. i can't kind of not i can't not do it what is it like to be a writer it can be lonely it mm -hmm. can be um 
as you say, it can be dispiriting. You can think, oh, what, you know, why bother? Here I am in the midst of another three year, uh, you know, thing to get this done. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's why I've always had some activity that is more social that, that, that blends into it. It's not entirely separate. Uh, the shoe project, it's still all about words mm -hmm. and writing and saying things in an amazing way. Um, but it, it takes me out, as I say, into the world and into other people's lives. And I get to meet people and go out go outside of my little room. <laughs> yeah, it for sure. And I feel you. I, I can understand where you're coming from. And like you're saying, finding the balance of what you need to fulfill your cup first. And also, you know, being an, um, perhaps a writer has a sense of maybe more introvert uh, characteristic in general. So I don't like to put labels, but I could see that, you know, that job or that title uh, or that role being very... Um, isolating sometimes so I love that you are out there and finding your balance by implementing you know your work and also combining that with like firsthand application into the world to inspire other people to show up fully and authentically so I love it I really love that oh thank you it can be it is about finding balance you're right and of course when you're finding balance there are times when your balance is off, you know, it's too much of one or too much of another. Oh, I've got too much to do with the shoe project. Oh, God, I have to finish this novel. I can't talk to anyone. So, you know, it's it's a juggling process. But I am so glad that my life has has been able to contain this other these other activities because they are really enriching, enriching yeah. my own writing and, and uh, just my spirit. Mm. And how do you find other than I know you said you mentioned you're playing tennis and you're keeping active and you're also out there and like communicating with other people and in touch with um, the community. But how do you find time for yourself in that space? And how do you find the connection to, you know, getting into your mode of being a writer or being a partner, or being a mother? Like, how do you switch off from one to another? I really need time for myself. I suppose everyone does. Um, I think I've built, I've built, you know, the balance that I that represents me, on the assumption that you know other people are out of this house for at least half the day, and I and I'm here by myself. Um, and, you know, I have I have a daughter with some special needs, and she's an adult, and I spend time with her. I have. Two little grandsons who I who I love um, to spend time with, and you know it's just called mark up your calendar. Today I'm doing this, then tomorrow I'm doing that. But really, mm -hmm. give me five hours by myself please, <laughs> on any given day. Mm. It's it's such a luxury, really. Mm. I love that. And when you come to look at your life now, where you're standing, what are some of the activities? And I know you said you're going to potentially launch a book this year, maybe beginning of next year. Um, but what are your future like goals or projects that you're working on and developing or even considering to expand more on? Well, there's, there's a project with the young Afghan women that the SHU project uh, has has leapt into um, seeing the need. Um, I as am in fact 
stepping, I thought I was stepping away from the shoe project and I am stepping away from the management of it. But we, we've, we've started to lead workshops with a group of 60 uh, Afghan schoolgirls. They call them schoolgirls. I would call them young women. They're 18 to 25. But they are sort of trapped in Islamabad. Uh, they have fled their country and they are trying to get status in Canada. But this is a long process. And I understand why that is, I, um, but it, it meant that they are sitting in a hostel in Islamabad with very little to do, and they are very, very ambitious. They're all at the beginning of their, their training as doctors. They're doing university degrees in political science and so on. So we offered to do the shoe project uh, long distance around the mm. world. Uh, it's exactly a 12-hour time <laughs> difference, so I do it in the morning, that's their evening. And this is, this is a fascinating um, new challenge for us, and uh, we've raised some money. People have been very generous. We're really um, trying to, to give these young women a chance to continue their education and to better equip themselves for their new country. As well, we're hearing the stories of what, you know, what it, what they're going through. Hmm. Something I think we all need to know a little more about. Absolutely. Absolutely. And something that comes to mind when I think, you know, helping abroad, I hear so many people saying, you know, why aren't you helping local? Why aren't you doing stuff here first and foremost? Because there's so many issues. Let's, let's face it. There's many, many issues we can pick from. But I love that you are expanding your horizon into helping internationally, uh, that you are, you know, firsthand applying um, your project that has been here in Canada and now serving into another country with the purpose of having these uh, potential, you know, women come here and have a better life in the end. So it really moves me when I'm talking about this. I have chills because I it inspires me that people recognize that we are not, you know, we're so fortunate here in Canada. Let, let's be real. We, we have luxurious lives, um, whether, you know, whatever what's going on in the world politically, let's not get into that. But other than that, we're super privileged to have, you know, clean water, access to education. Um, we have, you know, wonderful houses or, or place to stay that is safe, at least, or it, it feels to me. And now we have these women, you know, uh, of course, I, I don't know the full story of um, what they're going through, but I can only imagine how difficult it is for them on an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual uh, level. So it inspires me when I see people go out of their way to help and serve in the most, the most beautiful way they can to help other people to um, make a, a better life or, or start a better life. So I love it. It really I'm moves glad, me. I'm glad that you, you see it that way. And, and, you know, we're not taking away from our Canadian activities at all. We have four or five uh, workshop, you know, leading to performances going on now, as I, as I said to you, across the country. But one thing is we have learned a lot. We, you know, all of our staff, many of the people who work at the SHOE Project are 
graduates of our writing workshops. We allow people to take them four times. And by the time they've done four, they're, they're really on top of things. And um, our managing director, Cordelia Tang, is one of those. She's from China. We understand that that we've got a lot of skill. We we understand what people are going through. We know how to how how to deliver to this audience and uh, how to, how to kind of encourage them. Not only that, we have we have our 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 alum our own alumna, our graduates from Syria, from Afghanistan themselves. They're eager to help, so we can we can use that expertise uh, you know and that that lived experience if, if you like that phrase of our own alumni reaching out to others who are in the situation they've been in in their shoes as as we like to say at the shoe project <laughs> i love it it's a mentorship program right so so it it's is. like you need to go through the steps yourself first and then serving back giving back to your community or others love it i really love it so katrin as we come to an end if you could leave our listeners with one piece of advice on how to live their most authentic life, what would you leave them with? Something I read just last week really stayed with me, and that is kindness is the highest form of intelligence. And that gives me chills when I think of that. Um, I, I would say live with kindness. Mm, beautiful. Beautifully said. That's so much wisdom right there. I don't know if it's the baby boomer in you or the quote itself, but it's genius. I love it. <laughs> so, Katrin, if people want to stay connected with you and learn more about your writing or buy a book from you or even just learn more about the shoot product in your future adventures, where can they follow you at? Well, I have a website, which is just myname.com. Uh, katherinegovier.com on there there's usually a list of events of events live events are a little in short supply now but when, when I appear places or give a talk you'll find the links there you'll find the books there and suggestions of where to buy them uh, you'll find recordings of my voice and so on there and you can always write to me there you can sign up for postcards I send out um postcards kind of for fun keeping in touch with with people um i send them out to about 1200 people i think right now but oh, wow. i <laughs> sign up uh, to to uh to get a, a a letter from me about once every two or three months <laughs> um <laughs> And then, of course, with the shoe project, you can find it at its own website. And there, too, there oh, there are fabulous photographs and videos and recordings and interviews. And uh, you can donate there. Um, you can ask for information, and people will write back to you. Beautiful. So I'll make sure to put the links in the comment below so people can stay in touch with you, connect, and also learn more about and all the wonderful things that you're involved with and continuing to do uh, on a daily basis, on a yearly basis, or with whatever comes next for you. So thank you so much, Katrin, for being on the Embrace Your Life podcast today. It was a, such an honor and a pleasure to have you on. Well, thank you, Kayla. And I want to say, you've said so many nice things about me. <laughs> Congratulations to to you for, for striking out on your own after your job has led you to these interests and uh, taking the initiative and starting your own podcast. Congratulations. Thank you so much.
Yes, likewise. Thanks again. If you like this episode, make sure to subscribe and share it with your friends and family. Also, head on over to our website, embraceyourlifepodcast.com, to learn more about how you can live your most authentic life. Thank you for listening, and until next time, remember to embrace your life.